entertaining. It's all about Jesus. It's not about religion, it's about relationships. Where beginners are welcome. Where forgiveness is offered. Where hope is alive. And it's okay to not be okay. And the fifth kid, um, there's only four. Uh, I've, I've lost one somewhere along the way. Um, but uh, God is good, and, and I'm grateful for that. And uh, it is true, I was on staff at Canaan in 1994, and the Lord allowed me to uh, meet my mother-in-law here, and I'm grateful for that. And uh, she, the wife is a really important part of that as well, but and she's not sitting there right now. But anyway, thank you uh, for uh, letting me uh, to share with you this morning and, and uh, just have the opportunity to share some things that are kind of on my heart and on my mind, but as the director of missions of one of the associations that, that this church belongs to, let me just say thank you, first of all, for your partnership. Thank you for giving uh, to the associations, and on behalf of Darren Casper, the director of missions for the other association you're a part of, I'll just say thank you from both of us, um, particularly in this year. It's been so difficult uh, for you as a church, for our other uh, 40 churches in our association, in Jefferson Association. And because you've given, you've enabled me and enabled our association to pour into the lives of our pastors and uh, to really serve our churches and help do some things through this pandemic. So thank you so much uh, for your commitment to give uh, to missions, but not only that, for your commitment to be uh, on mission. Uh, we, we know from our experience being here at Canaan, this isn't a church who just gives. This is a church who goes as well, and we're very grateful for that. At the outset, if you have a copy of God's Word, I want to invite you to open to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, and, and I want to make this statement as we kind of begin our time this morning. My goal and my intent this morning is not to teach us something outrageously new, Truthfully, not for any one of us even to leave this place thinking, wow, I've never thought of that before. Because here's what I've become convinced of in my own life. Uh, Johnny Hunt said, I'm going to give him credit because he's the last one I heard, heard say it. Somebody else may have said it before him. But here's what I know. In the church, in America particularly, we are educated well beyond our obedience, and here's what I mean. We have so much theology and doctrine and all of that stuff at, at our very access all the time. We have our phones and our devices. And, and don't misunderstand, I love theology and doctrine. I love a good conversation about uh, the weightier things of, of theological matters. But here's what I also know. William Ames, an old Puritan writer, described theology as this. It's the study or practice of living unto God. If our theology does not drive us to Jesus, we've wasted our time. If all of our doctrinal information doesn't drive us to the feet of Jesus, we've wasted it. We have useless knowledge. We have useless information. And so what I wanna do today is not give us more knowledge that we're not going to use. I want to remind us of the knowledge that we seem to have forgotten. This is probably because this is what's happening in my own life. This COVID thing, has really stripped away a lot of things from us in our Christianity. And I don't mean just our, our church services and things of that sort, but here's what I believe it's done for me. It has taken away all the trappings of, of religiosity, and I know that's probably not a word, but I'm gonna use it. It's taken away all the trappings of our religiosity, all of the programs that we're so ingrained into, and it's left us with one thing. It's left us with Jesus. And the question that we have to answer church is, is that enough? Is that enough for us just to have Jesus? And here's what I know about me. 
I become so caught up sometimes in trying to figure out what God's trying to teach me through COVID that I've forgotten what he's already taught me before it to help me live through it. And so what I want us to do this morning is to really look at this subject or the idea using a passage of scripture most all of us have memorized in Proverbs chapter three. And I wanna help us navigate this new year in front of us. Simple, basic truth. Not earth shattering, but hopefully life changing. In the New Testament, in, in the book of Revelation, Jesus is writing to a few churches and he says to one of those churches that they've left their first love and this is what he tells them. Return to the things you did at first. As, as a coach, I, I coach high school basketball, I've coached high school football uh, before. As a coach, one of the things we always do at the beginning of the season is we start with the basics. Here's a football, here's a basketball, here's how you dribble, here's how you shoot. Because it's fundamental to our faith. Beloved, today we're just gonna look at the fundamentals. The fundamentals of navigating this 2021 that stands in front of us. And before we get to Proverbs 3, give me a second to just tell a story. I like stories. I'm going to tell several this morning. This is the story of a young girl up in Washington State, maybe around 11 years old. Her and her Girl Scout troop decided to go on a hike in the mountain ranges of Washington State. Well, if you've ever been in one of the state parks, even here in Missouri, there are trails everywhere, and it's really easy to take the wrong one. And so they were on this hike, and they took a wrong trail, and they got lost. Have you ever been lost in the woods? I get lost in the woods all the time. I am horribly directionally challenged. I can't even follow a compass. I mean, it's just terrible. Just terribly directional challenged. And they got lost. And you know what happens when you get lost? You try to find your way back, and when you try to find your way back, what happens? You get Loster, <laughs> more lost. You just get deeper and deeper into the weeds and you just can't figure it out. And so they set off and they had nothing. They just brought a simple lunch because they didn't expect to be into the woods for much more than a few hours. And they were lost, hopelessly lost. Morning came and they'd been lost all night. They're tired, they're wet, they're cold, they're hungry, and they're girls, so imagine the scene. And they began to do what girls do. They began to cry. And let me just say, it's not just girls. If I'm hopelessly lost in the woods and I'm hungry, I'm going to cry, and I'm going to cry a lot. But that's what's happening. They're crying. They're never gonna find us. They're never going to find us. We're gonna die in the woods. They're never gonna find us. We're all gonna die. And then this one 11-year-old girl stepped forward. She said, I'm not gonna die. I've heard if you follow a little stream, it empties into a bigger stream, and finally you may come to a town. And so I'm gonna go follow that stream that we saw. The rest of you, you can come and you want, or you can stay here and die. So the others followed, and more than five hours, they kind of traipsed through the brush along this ever-winding stream bed. And finally, they heard voices, and they began to shout that brought a rescue party to them. That spunky youngster who was determined not to die led the group to safety. Before each one of us, there is a wilderness called a new year. None of us expected what we experienced in this last new year, 
certainly a wilderness, but it's in front of us. We don't know what's out there. We don't know what's ahead. We don't know how to navigate it. There are tons of opportunities that we need to navigate through. And as this young lady, she exhibited a couple of characteristics that we're going to need before we get into Proverbs and talk about the truth of God's word. Let me just tell you the characteristics that we're going to need to navigate this new year. To navigate this new year, the first characteristic we're going to need in our life is determination. Probably most of us have already been trying to think about doing things differently. New Year's is a great time for resolutions, all of those type of things. We, we make them, I'm gonna lose weight, I'm gonna read the Bible more, I'm gonna go to church more, I'm gonna stop yelling, whatever it is. Whatever, whatever it is that needs to be in there to make you a better you, we're thinking about those things. We resolve to eat better. We resolve, y'all resolve to get more exercise. I'm not gonna say we, because I don't. We resolve to lose weight. Maybe we resolve to find a better job or kick a bad habit. Maybe we've made a spiritual resolution to read through the Bible or spend more time in prayer or get involved in church more. We've all made resolutions. We all have great intentions, don't we? When the new year starts, we start our new resolution and we're working toward it and then life just happens and the resolution goes away. We have good intentions. Our problem is with the follow-through. The Marines say, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. What I found is when the going gets tough, we stop. So to navigate 2021, you need determination. But something else, to navigate a new year is you need a direction. It's not just enough to be determined to get somewhere. You gotta know how to get there. This young lady who led her family or her Girl Scout troop through the wilderness was determined to get somewhere, but she had a plan. She had a direction that she was going to follow. It's not enough just to be determined to meet our goals. You have to have the right goal. You have to have the right direction. Story number two for the morning. Story of a woman in Denver, Colorado, in the middle of a winter storm. You ever driven in a winter storm somewhere outside of Missouri? Winter storms in Missouri are like a few snowflakes. Every outside of Missouri, like Alaska, my sister lives in Alaska. They flew into Missouri here a few days ago and driving into the airport, they had a major winter storm. So the story is, is this woman in Denver driving through a major winter storm, trying to get her way actually into the city of Denver. So she's driving, driving. Lo and behold, what she sees in front of her is a plow truck. All the lights flashing and all that. She said, well, I'm gonna tuck in behind this plow truck. It's gonna be nice and safe and I'll get all the way into Denver. And so she did. She was determined and she followed this plow truck for what seemed like hours. And eventually the plow truck stopped and the plow driver came to her car and said, ma'am, where are you headed? She said, I'm headed to Denver. I just thought I'd tuck in behind you and be safe. And he said, ma'am, you'll never get to Denver following me. I'm plowing a parking lot. Determination, but no direction. I'll be honest, I think that story is funny because I feel like that woman sometimes. I've tucked myself in behind people that I thought were safe to follow and realized they had no direction. We call it vision in church. But folks, to navigate this new year, we need to be determined and we need to know where we're going. We need to have a direction. So let's look at the scriptures this morning. The greatest opportunity before us 
is to enjoy relationship with God in 2021. Or you might lose weight. You might make more money. You might get married. You might have a child. You might graduate. Whatever that goal may be, but the goal that will bring us the greatest contentment now and forever is to develop a passionate relationship with Jesus. And that's before us in 2021. So I want to give you a couple of keys this morning to help you make the most of this new year. So if you found Proverbs 3, I'm going to ask you to stand to honor the reading of God's word, please. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. You can follow along in whatever you have. Two verses that we all know so very well. Beginning in verse number five, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Father, speak to our hearts this morning through your word. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, please be seated. Now they're shattering. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. So how do we take that verse and navigate this year that's in front of us? The first step, the first key to all of that is in the first words. Trust God. Trust God. And I know that sounds simplistic, so let's kind of define the nature of trust this morning. Because I know what you're thinking, because I'm thinking it sometimes too. Trust God. That seems awful basic and awful simplistic, doesn't it? I know it sounds simple. It sounds really broad. But I'm convinced that placing our complete confidence in the God who loves us is the foundation for making the most of the opportunities in front of us. The Hebrew word behind trust is a really intense word, and it it literally means to lean the whole weight of yourself on something to rest upon it. Let's think of some examples about that because trust is, is in every part of our life. I'm not leaning real heavy. I'm used to those old pulpits, you know, you can really lean on to. I don't want to lean on this one because I don't know that I trust it. Right? You came in this morning, you sat in that pew because you trusted that it would hold up your weight. When you were driving down the road and you hit the brakes, you trusted that your car would stop. If you had to go to the pharmacy, here's the big one. If you had to go to the pharmacy this past week to get some medication, you got some medication probably from a person you've never met. And you trust that it's the right thing. We kind of lean our whole lives on this thing. That's what we're dealing with here. Trust has an element of risk, always. If I lean, it might break, and I would fall, and you would laugh, and I would get hurt. If our brakes don't work, Accidents happen. If our pharmacist doesn't do his job, bad things can happen. Trust always involves an element of risk. The very nature of trust is that the result is dependent on someone else. I'm a control freak. How many of you are control freaks? And if you don't raise your hand, truth is, you're probably not telling the truth. We all like to be in control of our situation. Now, some of us are worse than others, right? But we all like to kind of be in control of our situation. We like to be in control of our circumstance. We don't trust because we don't like risk. 
to some extent, again, we're, we're control freaks. We want to call the shots. We want to be in charge. We want to know how it's going to happen. My favorite story in all of the Bible is in Genesis. It's the calling of Abram. You know, where God called out Abram, who didn't grow up in like a godly family. He didn't grow up worshiping Yahweh. He grew up worshiping pagan gods. And God spoke to him and said, Abram, I want you to get up and pack everything you've ever had, your family, all your possessions, and I want you to go over there. Where? I'll just tell you when to stop. How many of you that would work for? It wouldn't work for me. Where am I going? How long is it going to take to get there? And what does it look like when I get there? But God gave him no details. Just get up and go, and I'll tell you when to stop. And what did Abraham say? Okay. There's trust. There's an element of risk involved in trust. So the question before us now as we think about trusting God, and I know we're going to answer it this way in church, but let's think about it in a practical way. Is God a reasonable risk? We often don't trust people because we've been burned in the past. So the question is, is God reliable? Circumstances and sin may cause us pain. But God never has, nor will, abandon us. Hebrews 13 gives us the promise, I'll never leave you or forsake you. We can put the full weight of our problems on the Lord. He'll prove himself. Listen to Isaiah 26, verse 4. Trust in the Lord forever, because in, in the Lord, is, he's the everlasting rock. The New, New, New International Version says it this way, trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord is the rock Job, the quintessential sufferer of the Old Testament, believed God was faithful, and he said this, Job 13, verse 15, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, when they're faced with the fiery furnace, I love this statement, said to the king, king, we don't have to answer you in this matter. We believe that our God will deliver us, but if he doesn't, we're not gonna bow to you and to your gods. Trust. Is God worth the risk? The truth is, when we really learn to rely and trust God, we learn to lean on him. We learn to place our burdens on him. And we find there's really no risk at all. Because he's absolutely perfect. He's absolutely consistent and absolutely loving. He'll never let us down. Psalm 32, verse number 10 says, many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but the one who trusts in the Lord will have faithful love surrounding him. Trust God. Now, Proverbs 3, verse 5 gives us a couple of important qualities of this trust. Trust in the Lord how? With all of your heart. So it involves the whole heart. It involves the whole being. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. How many of you are parents in the room? Okay, even better still, how many of you have parents? Yeah, um, good. That was everybody, so that's, that's a positive thing. My dad, when I was growing up, I did it with my kids on some level. A couple of my daughters didn't completely trust me, but would play this game. He would set me on the side of something like this, but much taller, and he'd say, jump, I'll catch you. Okay, I'd jump. And it didn't matter how high it was, didn't matter where it was. 
I'll jump because dad will catch me. Had absolute confidence in that. Absolute. I wouldn't do it today because I would like for my father to continue living. But trust with all of my heart. When I leapt off the side of the pool or whatever it was that my dad set me on, I had absolute confidence that my father would catch me. It's a whole heart kind of a thing. I mean, you can't jump off the edge of a pool and kind of leave one leg on there. If you do, you're gonna be in trouble. So it was a full-on commitment. It was an all-or-nothing kind of a deal. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Many of us trust the Lord but only with part. Hey, God, you got this, but I'm gonna keep a hold of this one. God, you got this, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna handle this. I got it. This one's too simple for you. Reminds me of another story. A college student, you can call him whatever you'd like, went to a photography studio with a framed picture of his beautiful, wonderful girlfriend. He wanted the picture duplicated to do that in the studio, the owner had to remove it from the frame. And in doing that, he noticed that there was an inscription on the back of the photo, and it was written by the girlfriend. She says, my dearest love, isn't that sweet? I love you with all of my heart. I love you more and more every day. I will love you forever and ever, I'm yours for all eternity. Signed, your loving Diane. Isn't that wonderful? P.S., if we ever break up, I want this picture back. I wonder, we who belong to Christ, how many of us have a P.S.? God, I love you with all of my heart. I love you now and forever. I'm grateful for your work in my life. God, you're amazing. You're my rock. You're my redeemer. P.S. I reserve the right to take this back anytime. P.S. You can't have this part of me. There can be no P.S. in our life for God. It's an all or nothing proposition. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Let's have a Hebrew lesson this morning, Martin. You can't answer. You know what the Hebrew word for all means? All. It's not ambiguous at all. Every part, every ounce, every fiber of our being, we must trust the Lord. But something else he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. This trust goes beyond human understanding. Positively, we're to trust the Lord with all of our heart. Negatively, we're not to lean on our own understanding. The word here means wisdom. It means knowledge. We're not to rely on our faulty human wisdom, but we're to trust the Lord and his wisdom. It's okay to write in your Bible, so I'm gonna ask you to do it. If you have a pen, I want you to underline the word lean or circle or put a star by it. I want you to think about what this means. 
to lean on something, kind of like a crutch. It means to put your full weight on it, just like the trust part we were talking about earlier. It means to put everything that you have on the line. We're not to lean or depend on our flawed understanding. We're to be on guard against fear and panic and scheming and manipulating and worrying and hurrying. We need to learn to see things from God's perspective. We need his wisdom. The Bible says that he'll give wisdom to us if we ask in James chapter one, verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. A young man, another story, dreamed of building a ship. He dreamed of being the greatest shipbuilder the world has ever known. And so he apprenticed himself to a master shipbuilder. And for years he spent learning the trade of shipbuilding. He became a master shipbuilder. And so then he spent two, three, four years working with the finest materials to build the grandest ship that mankind has ever known. It was beautiful. Beyond description, it was beautiful. He sanded, he painted, he varnished, he polished, until not only was this vessel seaworthy, but it was the most beautiful thing anybody had ever seen. When it was finished, he became anxious. Not anxious about taking it out, but anxious about what would happen if he did. What would happen to this great masterpiece he had spent his life building if it were battered by the elements out on the open sea? So he put the ship into the water, but he never took it out of the harbor. The young man forgot the old saying, a ship in a harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are for. His dream, the true purpose of his life, the true purpose beyond the, behind those years of effort was sacrificed because of worry and fear and anxiety. Beloved, God hasn't destined you and created you to float in a harbor of safety. Psalm 56, verse three, reminds us when I am afraid, not if, but when I am afraid, I will trust in you. Philippians 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says this. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed upon you because he trusts in you. As we look into 2021, the very first thing that you and I, we have to do is trust God. No PS, no postscript, no holding anything back. Just take the leap and trust that your father's got this. But the next thing that we have to do, according to this text, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Verse six, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge God. 
is the second key. Acknowledge basically means to recognize something or someone. If I see you in a restaurant or at Walmart or in a mall and I don't wave at you or I don't speak to you, it may offend you. Why? Because I did not recognize you. I did not acknowledge you. And I use that as an example because it's happened. I live my life kind of with tunnel vision, especially when I go to the store because I hate going to the store. And so I want to get in there and get out of there as fast as I can. Even if I go to Bass Pro Shop. Y'all, I don't like to wander around Bass Pro Shop. When I go into Bass Pro Shop, I'm looking for five things, probably. And they're all fishing related. Or I'm looking at the guns. I'll go in and I'll get, if I'm in there 30 minutes, it's too long. I don't like shopping. I don't like it at all. And so when I go into Walmart or some of those places that's happened in churches I've pastored in the past, people will come to church at mad at me on Sunday. You didn't say hi to me in Walmart. Sorry, I didn't see you at Walmart. Why are they upset? Because I did not acknowledge them. I did not recognize their presence in the room with me. Have you ever thought that we offend God when we don't acknowledge him? When we don't acknowledge his presence in our life? To acknowledge him means to mentally call to mind, to remember that God is here and that he is in control. For the longest time, early in my ministry even, probably even when I was here at Canaan in 94, I thought of God as kind of being in heaven and, and I was his salesman, so to speak. I was his representative here on earth to do his work. He was the boss and I worked for him. But 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says something different. It says that we are workers together with him. Yes, he's Lord, he's boss, but he's in this work with us. I don't just work for God, I work with God. You don't just serve for God, you serve with God him. And we need to acknowledge that in our life. We don't just leave him at church. There's never, I'm not sure where we came up with this dichotomy of religious and secular. Beloved, for believers, there's never a non-secular or a non-religious moment. Never. You know why? Because scripture says, I am with you wherever you go. There's never a moment that's not religious. There's never a moment that's purely secular because God's with us everywhere we go. He's always here. We may not be thinking about him, but maybe that's the problem. That's why we have the instruction. In all your ways, acknowledge him. So to acknowledge him means to live with a distinct awareness of his presence. It means... As one preacher put it, we are to practice the presence of God in our life. There's a man who tried that. His name was Frank. January 30th, 1930, he decided he was going to keep a journal of what he learned as he tried to practice the presence of God in his life. This is one of the entries. Let me read it. Can we have that contact with God all the time? All the time awake, fall asleep in his arms and awaken in his presence? Can we attain that? Can we do his will all the time? Can we think his thoughts all the time? 
Can I bring the Lord back in my mind flow every few seconds so that God shall always be on my mind? I choose to make the rest of my life an experiment in answering that question. A distinct awareness of his presence. Can we? I don't know, because truth is I've never tried. Can we have that contact with God all the time? I don't know, because honestly, I've never tried. Can we all the time awake? Can we fall asleep in his arms? Can we awaken in his presence? Can we attain that? Can we do that all the time? I don't know, because I've never tried. But maybe in 2021, that needs to be the direction of our life. That we set for us the pursuit of finding out if this is possible. We're to acknowledge God in all the details of life. Acknowledge him in all of your ways. Remember what I told you the Hebrew word for all means? It means the same right here. It means all. Every aspect, every detail. When we lay down, when we get up, when we work, when we relax. That's the secret of navigating any year. It's the secret of navigating any opportunity. Psalm 37 verse four We know this one well. Delight yourself also in the Lord. And what? He'll give you the desires of your heart. But how does it begin? We always take this verse to God. God, you said you'd give me what I wanted. You said you'd give me the desires of my heart. And God says to me, have you delighted yourself in me lately? Take delight in the Lord. That's the first step. In all of our ways, acknowledge him. So the three basic responsibilities are trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him, and then God gives us his response. This is almost a conditional statement. You do these three, God says, I'll do this one. He will direct your paths. Literally means to make smooth or to make straight. It carries the idea of removing obstacles. Imagine making a road through the mountains. You'd have to remove rocks. You'd have to remove trees. You'd have to blast through the hills to form tunnels. However, when the path is smooth and straight, when all the obstacles have been removed, you'll have a highway of opportunity. That's what the Bible promises for the person who trusts and acknowledges the Lord. Removed obstacles and overflowing opportunities. Those who trust in the Lord, Psalm 125 verse one, are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved. It cannot be shaken. It remains forever. Preaching classes in seminary and college and wherever else you take them they tell you three points in a poem or something silly like that. I don't have three points, I'm only gonna give you a poem. Another year is dawning, dear Father, let it be. In working or in waiting, another year with thee. Another year of progress, another year of praise. Another year of proving thy presence all the days. Another year of mercies, O oh, faithfulness and grace. Another year of gladness, the glory of thy face. 
Another year of learning or leaning upon thy loving breast. Another year of trusting, of quiet, happy rest. Another year of service, of witness for thy love. Another year of training for holier work above. Another year is dawning, dear Father, let it be. On earth or else in heaven, another year for thee. We're on the cusp of that. This has been a hard one. It's been very difficult. We've lost loved ones. We've lost opportunities. We've lost a sense sometimes of joy. Our world has certainly lost a sense of hope. As we talk about all of the the, the COVID-related deaths, I think we have to add the suicide rate into that. There are men and women in our communities who have no hope. They've lost it all. And before us in this room is another opportunity for the Lord to trust him, to acknowledge him, to carry the hope of Jesus into our world. And we're gonna have to do it differently than we've ever done it before. Some of our programs will never come back. But the gospel of Jesus Christ has never left for a moment. Imagine two sailboats approaching one another, moving steadily and speedily in opposite directions. Yet they're driven by the same wind. Sailing blows me away. I don't get it. The boat's direction is determined not by the wind, but by the set of the sail. Every person in this room has within them the ability to set the direction of their sail. The winds of life come where they come from. They are beyond our control. COVID wasn't anything any one of us asked for or wished for. And frankly, we all hope it goes away yesterday. We have no control over it. But the set of our sail can be fixed within our own heart and within our own mind. The set of our sail is nothing more than our attitude, our determination, our direction, and our outlook and our faith. The winds will blow where they blow they will blow when they blow, and they will blow how they blow. My encouragement for us, church family, is to let God set the direction of our sail, to trust him with all of our heart, to not try to figure it out logically, but to trust God to do what God can do and to acknowledge him in every area of our life, in every way, in every day, to acknowledge the Lord and to let him set the direction of our sail. We have a wonderful opportunity in front of us. Take the name of Jesus to a world who so desperately needs him. They need you, they need me, they need us to answer the question, is Jesus enough? With a resounding, absolutely, without question, he's enough. 
Let me pray, and then Pastor Brian's gonna come and close out our service. Father God, thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your love, and for the opportunity that's before us. COVID can't take it away. Whatever's next around the corner can't take it away. God, the winds will blow as they blow. They will come as they come. Father, help us to trust you, to acknowledge you, and to allow you to set the sail of our direction in 2021. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen.